The following presentation is from North Pine Baptist Church. We trust that it will help you learn more about God and His message for the world. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au. Today I'm not actually going to be looking at a specific psalm. I'm going to do a bit of an overview. The idea is to help equip us so, so we can know what, we, what it is we're dealing with here in this book of the Psalms. Next week we'll get into Psalms 1 and 2. And through the next, through the rest of December and into Jan, through January, we'll look at specific psalms from book 1 of the Psalter that we will found out later. So we'll, we'll, we'll grab some different psalms there that we'll go through. So hopefully from what we get out of today, we'll know how to approach different psalms. We'll recognize what they are, and that'll help us to interpret and, and interact with them. Now who's heard of any of these people? Ed Sheeran, Adele, Taylor Swift, for those of, I was going to say those of us, but that's what it is not. For those here who might be um, over 50 or 60 years of age, those people are amongst some of the most popular music artists of today. And if there's someone else who should be on that list of music, that just shows that I'm not up to date with music and popular artists today. Now, you might not be a fan of Ed Sheeran, Adele, or Taylor Swift. But I can tell you that many millions of people around the world are. They spend their time listening to their music. They spend their money going to shows, buying their, I was going to say CDs, downloading their music. They, they give their money to have the music of these people. Why are so many people from around the world fans of the music of Ed Sheeran, Adele, and Taylor Swift. Why do so many people listen to their songs, watch their video clips? Well, the answer is connection. See, people can connect with their songs. They can relate to what the words of the songs say. That's because so many people are going through similar things to what these music writers are singing about. A lot of their songs are about relationships, about love, the joy of love found, the, the pain and sorrow of love lost. You know, anything about Taylor Swift, her songs are pretty much about breaking up with a boyfriend. So many people resonate with that. And people can see themselves in those songs. They can put themselves into those songs. The songs are poetry. 
They're powerful for expressing expressing your emotion. They're giving voice to the stuff that's deep down inside, what you really feel. The Psalter or the Psalms does this for God helping people. It helps them connect with God and express the stuff that's going on deep down inside them. John Calvin describes Psalms this way. It says, it's an, an anatomy of all parts of the soul. All the emotion, human emotions can find expression in some way through the Psalms. And so three questions we're going to ask or we're going to look to answer in relation to this whole this morning. The first thing is, what is it? The second question will be, what was it for? And the third question will be, how can it be useful for us today? So the first question, what was it? Well, it's a collection of 150 poems or prayer songs. It takes up the bulk of the Bible, actually. If you, turn, if you just open your Bible to the middle, you're probably going to hit the Psalms. Now, such has been called the prayer song, or the prayer book of God's people. It's actually compiled into five separate books. And that was done probably around the time of Ezra and Nehemiah, the final compilation of the Psalms. So, God's people have been in exile in Babylon and they are then able to come back to their land. So it's probably around that time, 400 to 500 BC, when the Psalms took its final shape. All of the Psalms are inspired by God. And I'd suggest so is the compilation of the Psalms, those who put it into structure that we have it. Who wrote the Psalms? Well, the authors include King David, Asa, Solomon, Moses, the sons of Korah, as well as other worship leaders from God's temple. There are also many other psalms that are anonymous in their authorship. That's pretty much what it, what it is. What was it for? What was it used for? Well, three things we'll see for the Psalms pretty much their purpose, what they are used for for God's happy people. We'll see that the Psalter helps God's people to express their emotions to God. The Psalter instructs God's people on how to live. And the Psalter encourages God's people in faithfulness to God. Psalms help them express their emotions, instruct them on how to live, and encourage them to live faithfully. The Psalms are all about God. He's the foundation of the Psalms. We'll see that as we go through different Psalms. So let's first have a look at how the Psalter helps God's people to express their emotions to God. And it's similar to how songwriters of today. Uh, help people, their fans, to connect and, and relate through a song. The Psalms were used by God's people to connect with God or to come into God's presence. Before the exile, they were often used in the temple, in temple worship. They were used both corporately 
but also individually. When David cries out to God, he says, Lord, I cry out to you. He's, as an individual, he is crying out to God. There is also something that can be used corporately for God's people. Over the years, psalms have been used to inspire songs and music that could be used to help people, either as a group collectively or on their own, express their emotions and connect with God. You might know of some worship songs that you've seen that have their inspiration from a psalm. Maybe they take a line of a psalm. There are also songs, secular songs, that have used the psalms for inspiration. Simon and Garfunkel have used a verse from Psalm 88 as inspiration for one of their hit songs. Here's this verse 18 of Psalm 88. You have taken, taken from me friend and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. Can anyone think of what song was inspired by that psalm? We've got a few. We've got a few. Well, I doubt if I said to the others, Hello, darkness, my old friend. Oh, there are kids. Took inspiration from the sound, the sound of silence, that was the sound. And the sound, similar to how music can come in different styles and genres. You know, you can get rock music, jazz music, blues music, classical. Or if you're younger than me, you also get rap and hip-hop and R&B and all those sorts of things. Psalms also come in different types and styles. And there are, there are, there's a huge list in, in the different types of psalms and styles of psalms, but we could probably distill it down to three basic styles. They are the hymns of praise, lament, which is what the sound of silence Sorry, not the song, but the song is the Psalm 88 is a lament. And songs of thanksgiving. The hymns of praise are the, the psalms of the songs that would be sung when life is going well. When God's people find themselves in a good state of life. And they tend to praise God, God because of his work in creation and his work in redemptive history. They often talk about God's order, his good order. The laments are psalms that would be sung or spoken when life is not going so well. When they find themselves in the valleys of life, whether that be all of life or part of life. Songs of Thanksgiving were like hymns, but the psalmist is praising more specifically God for what he's done in the psalmist's life, his own personal history. Maybe it's an answer to a specific prayer. And each of these styles of psalms will have a few different basic elements. The hymns of praise. They often follow a basic structure. It might start with a call to worship God call to praise God. And he'll give some reasons for why we should praise God. Maybe it's because he's the creator. Maybe because he's the king of all. 
praise Him because of His presence with His people, or praise Him because He is delivered, He is their deliverer. After going through that, they'll sometimes come back to another call for praise. A lament. A lament is the psalmist cry when they are deep in distress and they've got nowhere else to turn but to God. And often they'll bring, they'll begin with an appeal to God, a cry for help. Often that is then followed by the complaints they have. Might be complaining about their enemies, those who are against them. They might complain about something that's the result of their own actions or their own sins. Or their, their complaint might actually be because of God Himself. They might have an issue with God or how they feel He is to Often in a lament, there is a confession of sin or an assertion of innocence. There is sometimes a curse of enemies. But don't miss these last two things you'll find in a in a biblical lament. If there's anything I want you to remember about what you find in a biblical lament, often a biblical lament ends with confidence that God will respond to some and also a hymn or a blessing to God. Biblical lament has a use case for it. Cries out, where are, I'm in the depths, God, where are you? But it always comes out the other side. I can trust in you, God. I know you'll respond. I know you'll hear my prayer. Hymns of Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving psalms are a response often to an answered lament. Often a response to a prayer that has been answered. We'll find as you go through the psalms that they're general in nature. Like Taylor Swift doesn't sing about, doesn't name the bloke that she's singing about who broke up with her. She might say, You broke my heart. Because it's general in nature, that allows everyone else to enter in and use it as their word. So you'll find the Psalms are the same. They're often general in nature, they're not often specific about a person. You don't normally see an enemy name. The situation isn't always expressed either. Maybe it's a bit more general. I'm going through a bad time. My enemies are against me. So the Psalms are general in nature. They're non-specific when it comes to situation or people. And why does this happen? Well, it's because it allows us to connect to and through the Psalms what the psalmist is crying out for, what they are praising God for, or giving thanks to God for. It makes it possible for us to make the psalms about us. We can approach the psalms as though they are about us, but they're not ultimately about us. And they're not only about us. 
to the Sultan also instructs God's people on how to live in relation to the king. And we can see this through the structure of the psalm. It's intentionally arranged into five books. And if I turn to the psalms, the start of the psalms, I see these words. Book 1, Psalms 1 to 41. And then if I, I turn to Psalm 42, I see this title. Book 2, Psalms 42 to 72. Book 3, Psalms 73 to 89. Book, book 4, Psalms 90 to 106. And Book 5, Psalms 107 to 150. One of the markers within the Psalter that shows that this is the structure of the Psalms is that there is a doxology that marks the end of each of the four books, the first four books. And it says something to either word for word or very close to the words, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. So when we see that doxology, it's a signal that that is the end of that particular book of the Psalter. Why five books? Is there any purpose behind it being five books? Well, this five-book structure reflects the five books of Moses. The Psalter begins with these words in Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. That word law there is the word Torah, which means instruction, teaching. For the five books of Moses, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis to Deuteronomy, are known as the Torah, the book of instruction for God's people, Israel. And in them, Israel is instructed on who God is and how they are to live as God's covenant people. They include different styles. There's legal material. There's genealogy, narrative, stories. There's poetry in, in the book of Moses. The one reason for the Psalter's composition into five books it shows that it is also to be used to instruct God's people on how to live in covenant relationship with God, just like the book of Moses. They are given to instruct God's people on how to live in their circumstances. As I said, they've been exiled. By the finish of it, they've returned to the land, but it's not how it was before. There's also a historic element at play in the Psalter. We can see that through the, the structure, the different books relate to a different historic time in Israel's history. Book one relates to the establishment of God's kingdom through David, the king. And for this reason, you'll notice a large portion of Psalms in book one are Psalms of David. Book 2 
pathway for God's covenant people when the kingship has been passed on to subsequent kings, passed down to Solomon, David's son. So we'll notice that through Book 2, there are less psalms that are authored by David. Book 3, Psalms 73 to 89, there is the collapse of the kingdom, the collapse of the line of the kings of Israel, the destruction of the temple, exile from God's promised land. Look at me at Psalm 89 that closes Book 3. Psalmist says, How long, O Lord, will you hide yourself forever? How long will your wrath burn like fire? Remember how short my time is. For what vanity you have created. For what vanity you have created all the children of men. What man can live and never see death? Who can deliver his soul from the power of fear? Lord, where is your steadfast love of old, which by your faithfulness you swore to David? Remember, O Lord, how your servants are mocked, and how I bear in my heart the insults of all the many nations, with which your enemies mock, O Lord, with which they mock the footsteps of your anointed. Blessed be the Lord forever. Amen. That is a lament of someone who is going through exile. Someone who is mocked by their enemies, the nations around them. Book 4, Psalms 9-106, sees God's covenant people in exile. But it tells them how to live now that their circumstances seem to be contrary to what God has promised them. He promised the kingship that would never end. He promised his presence with them in a holy city. He promised them a land of their own. Well, now in, Israel, in exile, they are without a king, they are without a temple, they are without a land. It book four instructs God's people on how to live despite their circumstances. How do we live when our circumstances seem contrary to what God has said, to what He has promised? The spoiler alert, we live by faith. You trust God despite your circumstances. So, before encourages God's people to trust Him despite what is going on. Book 5, the final book in the cycle. God's people have returned to the promised land. The form of the temple is being rebuilt, but there's still no king. They're still waiting for the Messiah God has promised. At the heart of Book 5 is Psalm 119, which you might say is the Psalm of Torah. It's the longest Psalm in the, in the whole Bible. It's about Torah. It's about instructing God's people to live in obedience 
to God's command. What is the third thing that the salt does? Speak to God's people. Third thing. Second thing. No, it's third. The salter encourages faithfulness to God. The big picture of the Psalter reminds God's people of God's faithfulness to His Word and His people. The big picture reminds God's people of God's faithfulness to His Word and His people. So do the smaller pictures in the Psalter. These smaller pictures become evident when we notice that some Psalms are actually intentionally grouped together. They relate to one another. And surprise, surprise, they point us to the gospel. They point us to God's faithfulness. It is no fluke that Psalm 22 is followed by Psalm 23, which is then followed by Psalm 24. Psalm 22, Psalm of David, King David. Psalm, it is a psalm about death. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Verse 6. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where, where else do we hear that in the Bible? How the words of Jesus while he is hanging on the cross. Psalm 22 is a psalm about death, but God forsaken him. Well, if Psalm 22 is a psalm about death and God forsaken us, what do you reckon Psalm 23 is about? It's a psalm of resurrection. Have that in mind as I read through Psalm 23, a psalm of resurrection. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23, Psalm of Resurrection. And he guesses as to what Psalm 24 might be a psalm about. I suggest it's a psalm of ascension. 
And you see the gospel picture coming through here. You start with Psalm 22. Please go on to Psalm 23. Then go on to Psalm 24. The Psalms are laced with the gospel message, friends. They proclaim it. They point us to Jesus. So when we approach the Psalms as though they're all about us, we do so knowing that they, again, are not ultimately about us. And they are not only about us. The Psalms are prayer songs sung to the Lord. They're also prayer songs spoken by the Lord. So Jesus is the Lord of the covenant. He is the one to whom the Psalms are sung. What might it look like for you to sing the Psalms to Jesus as Lord of the covenant? Think about that as you go through them. Jesus is not only the Lord of the covenant, though. He is also the servant of the covenant. He's also the one who sings the Psalms. That's why I can say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's taking Psalm 22 there as an example. It is written by King David. But it is also spoken by Jesus as he is on the cross. King David said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because David felt forsaken by God. But he wasn't forsaken by God. God had said to his people in Deuteronomy chapter 31, and again, it is spoken of in Hebrews chapter 13. It says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. David said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he felt forsaken by God, though he wasn't. Jesus said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In Matthew 27 46. Because not only did he feel forsaken by God, but he was forsaken by God. And he was forsaken by God so that we may never be. Though we may feel abandoned by God, though we might enter into Psalm 22 and say, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We do so knowing that it is not ultimately about us. That God has not forsaken us because Jesus is forsaken in our place. So how might we use the Psalms today? Well, I'd suggest, I'd encourage you, we're going through book one of the Salt Rover Psalms. Why not, in your own time at home, on school holidays, you could put the iPad down, look at the Bible app now. Why not spend some time going through the Psalms? And, and the first thing you might do is as you read through it, think, what type of Psalm is this? 
Is this a hymn of praise? Is this proclaiming praise to God for who He is as Creator, Redeemer, King, Deliverer? Or is it a psalm of lament? Is it crying out to God in a time of trouble? Or is it a psalm of thanksgiving? It's giving thanks to God for the answered prayer, for what He has done for the, the psalmist person. Let's try the first step. What type of psalm is it? And if it is a psalm that's praising God about creation, why not step out into creation? Step out of the house, step out the back door, front door, and, and see a bit of creation. And maybe through that, help you enter into the psalm. If it's a psalm of lament, and if that's resonating with you, well, I'd encourage you to let it resonate. But allow the psalm to take you on the full journey of biblical lament. Don't stop and wallow in your, in your crying out to God. Follow the, the, the psalm to the full journey. Come out to the, the confidence of God's response and the praise for who God is. So if you find yourself reading a psalm of lament, and there's heaps of them, if it resonates with you, allow that psalm to guide you through your lament. Take you on the full journey. My challenge for us as we begin our journey through the Psalms. Will you read book one, book one of the Psalter of the Psalms? All of it or, or part of it? Are you willing to enter into the Psalter for yourself? To engage with it? To connect with it? And as you do so, are you willing to allow the Psalter to enter into you? Because, friends, if you do, don't at all be surprised that you find it connecting you to some of the deep emotions, the deep things going on down inside. And through them, showing you how to connect with God, leading you to connect with God in those emotions, in those experiences. Don't be surprised if allowing the Psalter to enter into you helps you to connect with yourself and with God. Don't also be surprised if you find the Psalter teaching you and shaping your thinking. In fact, expect it to do that. We should expect this altar to teach us and to shape our thinking on how we should live as God's covenant people in this world around us. And finally, I'd encourage you to allow the altar to encourage you in your faithfulness to God. Let me pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the Lord of all. We thank you that you give us your word. And we anticipate, Father, that as we interact with your Psalter over this period, this next month and a bit, we anticipate, Lord, that your Spirit 
will be at work in us through the words of your Spirit. Lord, we anticipate that through your Psalms that will bring us a closer connection to you. You'll help bring us into your presence. Lord, we ask that you would teach us and instruct us on how we should live today in obedience to you. And Lord, we ask that it would encourage us. It would encourage us towards faithfulness to you as we read of your faithfulness we ask these things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and for His Thanks for joining us for this presentation from North Pine Baptist Church. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au.